With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Politics will never be the same. Welcome to the War Room with Big Sarge and J5O. We talk politics, world events, and the disease they call liberalism. Join us every Friday for our roundtable discussion as two conservatives and two liberals go head-to-head on three topics. Also, join our Saturday open topic discussions and call in to comment or discuss anything that you like. Both shows go live at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fridays and Saturdays. Remember, the War Room is live and unedited. They don't call this the War Room for nothing, folks. Now here's your host and co-host, Big Sarge and J5O. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the War Room with Big Sarge and J5O. We have a few changes tonight on the schedule, a couple of cancellations and actually a couple of additions. So uh, just stay tuned. Uh, You're on the War Room where politics will never be the same. What a great show we have on deck for you tonight here in the War Room, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight as we have two amazing guests with two amazing perspective, perspectives. Excuse me. Tonight's two-hour show will focus on three topics, Planned Parenthood, gerrymandering, and the insurgence of radical Islam in America. Big Sarge will be your host and J5O your co-host as we moderate the discussions between our two panel members. The topics are hot. The people are intelligent. This is an adult show and not for the faint of heart. We don't call this the war room for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Please follow us on blogtalkradio.com and come by our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash war room one zero one that again is a www.facebook.com forward slash war room one zero one we also have a twitter page at the war room 101 we have some great information and often heated discussions on both our pages so please stop by and become a part of history also if you're on our facebook page please hit like and uh, invite your friends to like our page the more the merrier on our facebook page so uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a f- 
we have a few guests here tonight on our panel. Uh, we originally had four that were supposed to show up to cancel on us, but I mean, that's okay. The show must go on. So we have uh, two uh, wonderful guests. One, one is a conservative. One is a Democrat, AKA uh, back or slash. Uh, he says he's not liberal, but uh, I've, I've talked to him and known him for quite a while. And he does have some liberal, uh, <laughs> he does lean a little bit left. So, uh, We'll just call him a Democrat for tonight, not a liberal. So, uh, Cornell, forgive me if, uh, if I overstep my bounds there, but I guess tonight you're the liberal Democrat on, on deck here uh, for the war room. All right, let's introduce our guests and get the show started. Brad Morgan, he's the owner of a Pro in Harrisburg, PA area, and a staunch conservative supporter, philanthropist, and community activist. Welcome, Brad. We appreciate you coming to the show. Our next guest he is a Lebanon Democratic City Councilman and community activist. His name is Cornell Wilson, and we appreciate him coming to the show. Welcome, gents. Jay and I appreciate you coming. Now, before we get started, let's get to the rules. Number one, there's only a few rules. And I can see, Jay, that the uh, chat room is uh, filling up quite uh uh, quite a bit here, and we'll get to that in just a minute. We'll welcome everybody to the chat room after we go over the rules. Um, the rules, the first one, myself and Jay will make a statement and then ask a question. We will then proceed one by one to allow you to answer the question. Of course, there's only two guests tonight, so that should be pretty easy. Once everyone has had a chance to speak, we will leave the floor open for debate, which Jay and I both will be involved in. Plus, we will field questions from the chat room during our open floor session. Uh, please take advantage of the open floor because anyone can talk about anything at any time. Number two, be respectful and try not to step over each other when the floor is open. Sometimes the debate might get heated, but remember, we are all here for the same reason. Number three, try to refrain from having background noise. Your mic will be open and we ask you not to have any background disturbances if possible because it feeds, it feeds back into the show and um, if that happens, then we got to put you on mute, and we'd like to keep the floor open. So make sure both of you uh, gentlemen are in a in a nice little place where there's no, uh, you won't get any, you won't get disturbed or get any uh, background noise. We really appreciate that. Number four, if your cell if you're on a cell or your cell line is breaking up or bad, we will mute you and ask you that you recall back into the show. If the problem persists, we will have no choice but to keep you on mute until the issue is resolved. So uh, if you got a broken line, uh, fix your line. Try to see what you can do about that. Or if you're on a cell phone, you have a landline. Like uh, we discovered last week, uh, Rondo, who was one of our guests, had a bad cell phone line. And as soon as he got on to his um, uh, landline, it was uh, it was perfect. So if you got a landline, you can do that if you're having uh, technical difficulties, which uh, – uh, hopefully uh, none of our guests will have that tonight. All right, <clears throat> number five. I usually do not accept callers during a roundtable discussion, but since we are short two folks tonight, I will be fielding phone calls only during our open topic or only during only during the uh, open floor sessions. So after I ask the uh, two panelists or questions, they answer it, and then we go to open floor. I will unmute your mic and let you introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from, who you are, and what you have to add to the discussion. So we want to try to keep on topic tonight. Of course, uh, sometimes we tend to get a little bit uh, off topic, but that's okay because this is the war room. So uh, J5O, uh, are you out there, buddy? 
Absolutely, bro. We're sitting here right now checking out the chat room, and it is live in here tonight. Looks like we have a war room party going on. I want to make sure I give a shout-out to American Patriot Radio. Thank you so much, Dr. Miola, for being with us tonight. It's going to hey, be you, want to go down, you want to go ahead and go down the uh, chat room and uh, welcome all the guests? Yes, absolutely. First of all, we want to give a big shout-out to A.K. Cog. Uh, is with us every week. We thank him so much. Another member of the family that's here every week, Calvis LaPrairie. Thank you for coming in, Calvis. Uh, we've got Dr. Miola, of course. We've got Gulf Dog, always with us. we got Hold Your Awaken. we got Iggy Mom HOV. We've got Mary on the, uh, on the, on the uh, chat room tonight. We've got Renee Reactionaries. We've got Smokey TX, the Texans in the house. And, of course, as always, we've got the Alaskans. It's always good to see some of these guys coming back into the show. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Hold Your Awakens is a very good friend of mine. Has been with me on BTR since 15, it was about 15, 12, 12 to 15 years ago, Holger. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been quite an adventure. That's, that's for damn sure. Uh, again, we want to uh, thank America Patriot Radio for streaming us live on their, uh, their syndicated website, uh, for those of you who don't know, just go to AmericanPatriot.com, or if you want to go ahead, Dr. Miola, and put that link in the chat room one more time for us. That way, if uh, folks want to go ahead and visit that uh, show page, they have some great shows, and they have a great lineup uh, on that uh, on that show page, and you can, you can visit. Uh, once you get to the lineup, uh, it's pretty much self-explanatory. As you go through the tabs, you'll see what their lineup and at what time the, the, the different shows are for that uh, uh, for that particular uh, uh, page. So are we kind of clear on the rules? I think the rules are pretty clear. What do you think, Jay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Clear and straightforward, man. We're looking forward to a good show tonight. We have some great topics. We have some intelligent minds. And yeah, like you always say, man, they don't call this the war room for nothing. Let's get it started. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, I, I want to let everybody know that has been listening to us uh, what a, a great honor it has been. And we're only in our fourth show as the war room and our listens have skyrocketed. I've gotten so many emails. I've gotten so many Facebook uh, messages. Uh, we've gotten so many plugs on our Facebook page. The Twitter page is just taken off. It's skyrocketing. And, you know, we really couldn't do that without any of you guys, uh, ladies and gents uh, listening into our show. So we really appreciate that. And uh, we want to tell everybody out there, look, get the word out about the war room. You know, we're, we're new. We're relatively new. We were left, right, left the radio. For those of you who don't know, uh, we, re, we rebranded, say that five times fast, <laughs> over, <laughs> to, over to the war room. I ended up picking up a co-host, which is J5O, and uh, the rest is history, ladies and gentlemen. So, again, we really appreciate all the listens, all the archive listens, all the shares, everything that our audience does out there because i tell you what we're all over the world we are worldwide right now and uh boy it's it's uh, it's a great feeling to get on and see those statistics and see how they skyrocket every week and i want to thank you jay uh for coming on again i know since we've had you as a co-host on uh you are a great contributor to the show as well and for those of you ladies and gentlemen that don't know jay has uh, does our intros for us and he does all the website and the web pages uh, everything that you see on those sites, Jay has been a huge contributor to that. To that. So again, uh, thanks, Five O. I appreciate it. Hey, absolutely, bro. Just glad to be part of the family, man. And uh, we also want to make sure that we mention that we thank so much that our repeat viewers that come in every week and uh, participate in the chat. Uh, you guys are invaluable to the show. 
Also, remember to uh, invite your, uh, let's say, liberal friends uh, with the disease of liberalism so they can come in and uh, we can get some dissenting views as well. Right, and if you want to ever be, if you're a listener out there and you want to be a part of our roundtable Fridays, Friday discussions, please uh, you know, give us a shout-out on uh, Facebook. Uh, most uh, everybody that I know has our email already. Uh, we have our Twitter, so hit us up on Twitter. Um, come to our Blog Talk radio page. We have all the information on there. Uh, hit us up. So, uh, you know, we definitely would love to have uh, you on the show. And, uh, you know, we, we give all the informa- information out prior to each of the shows. So uh, being on BTR, it's been, a, it's been a long time coming for sure. And, and it's definitely great to be back. We are in our fourth show, um, so our fourth episode, rather. We had an open topic discussion last Saturday. It went great. I had, ah, man, what did we have, 18 callers on the line, Jay, was it? Or that was our Friday roundtable last week. It was 18 callers. We decided to take a... We decided to take calls because, again, uh, we had one guy call off or he was having technical difficulties, so he dropped off the air. So we decided to take callers. And, boy, I tell you what, moderating 18 callers, that's a, that's a job in itself. Yeah, I was afraid you were going to have to go to the doctor and uh, up that script of uh, Valium, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But, uh, boy, I, I tell you what um, – I think tonight there's going to be – there's three very important topics that I, I definitely want to get to, and I hope we get to the last topic uh, tonight. We've, we've managed to not get to that topic a few times. I should have put it as the first topic tonight, but um, it is what it is. And, you know, like I said, uh, we'll, we'll get to it, and if we don't, uh, there will always be uh, next week. Boy, I tell you what, the chat room is just filling up with people, and, boy, it's great to see that. And I really appreciate everybody coming. Thanks, thanks again for that. All right, we're going to get right into the topics, ladies and gentlemen. Our first topic is Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Boy, where am I? Am my lips today? I don't know. Planned Parenthood and the abortion controversy. No pun intended, there, Doc. I know you're going to you're going to come back with something on on that one. So, Planned Parenthood Federation of America claims that 665 clinics run by its affiliates provide a wide wide range of health care as justification for taxpayers providing more than 40 percent of their funding and that abortion is a small portion of their services. Yet data shows that Planned Parenthood Federation of America is the country's largest abortion provider with affiliates performing more than 300,000 abortions per year, which amounts to approximately one out of every three in the country. And I had just done some research on this, and I haven't had a chance to update my program here, but that number has went up by 100,000 from last year. Planned Parenthood affiliates perform about 20 abortions for every prenatal care visit and about 200 abortions for every adoption referral based on the approximately 300,000 abortions they perform each year. Excuse me. A congressional budget office analysis released in September 2016, however, shows that the organization's affiliates received approximately $60 million of taxpayer money money under the Title X of Public Services Act and another $390 million through federal payments under Medicaid in 2015. The federal government generally, generally provides reimbursement for 90% of the costs of family planning services and product, products covered under Medicaid, while states provide the remaining 10%. This is also not counting the millions of dollars that they make off of abortions on the side. And I got some personal experiences on that that we'll talk about. So we're going to go... Um, uh, first, the first question is, 
this is a twofold question, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, uh, for my panel, uh, for Brad and Cornell, um, this is a twofold question. So if you need me to repeat the question, by all means ask. The first, the first part of the question is, do you think we should defund Planned Parenthood? And are you pro-life or pro-choice and why? So uh, go ahead, uh, Brad. I think you're up first. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, see. Did you, uh, did you get those questions, sir? Yes, sir, I did. So what do you think? Should so, we defund Planned Parenthood? I don't see any reason why we should be funding uh, birth control of any kind with federal tax dollars. So, and least of all, we should not be funding abortions. And that's basically Planned Parenthood's business model. They do some ancillary things, but that's their main business. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just again being a limited government guy. Uh, you know, just I don't see where pay for using federal tax dollars to pay for birth control, uh, however controversial, is a responsibility of the of the federal government. And then the other right. part is, am I pro-life or pro-choice? Well, uh, I, I'm I'm pro-life, uh, mm-hmm. strongly so. But I, I also I understand that you know this whole this is a very sensitive issue, and it tends to play in a lot of times to people's religious belief, and you know we need to try to separate that if we're gonna if we're gonna come up with a public policy uh, that would at some point uh, limit abortions. So, you know, from my perspective, I believe that that life begins at conception. Absolutely. But that, but that, you know, I I understand that, you know, if we we have a, a secular government, and and I believe there's a strong argument to be made that it should stay that way. I mean, we don't need a theocracy, and and so I think that, you know, what I would like to see happen is let's come to an agreement as a country. Uh, when does life begin? Because that's the real that's the real conundrum here. When does it begin? So when and, do you think it you know, begins? Think, in your personal opinion. My personal opinion is it, it it's at conception. However, uh, right, I can... think you know you could make an argument that you know if I said when does it begin? Well, when does it end? When does right. science and the medical profession say that a person is dead? And I believe that that is when the brain waves are gone. So. I think if we, you know, I, I would probably, you know, some of my pro-life friends would hate me if I was in Congress and I went along with something that said, look, the state starts to protect the, the rights of an unborn when there's brainwave activity, because that we can measure, you can, there's, it, it's there, there's no disputing it. And at that point, it, it senses, it's feeling, it's, you know, that should be when you say from the state says that being has rights, and it should. Right. And that way, we're you know you, we're not saying that it's a big religious thing. Or, you know, we're trying to, but because that's that's really the issue is when does life begin? When do you have rights? And uh, you know, if we're gonna, if I was to go or you were to go murder a woman who's you know several months pregnant, that's a double murder. That's funny you should mention that, Brad. Uh, uh, Jay and I were just talking about that exact same comment uh, earlier today. But go ahead, sir. Sorry. Yeah. 
And uh, and so so then what do you do? You know, the other thing could be that maybe it would be a baby step towards at least at least recognize what's going on. Uh, perhaps you, maybe as a country we still can't come to that. Maybe the, the other step would be all right, fine. Then what we're really saying is we believe there is a murder exemption for a pregnant mother. And the, per, and the doctor that performs this, quote, procedure. So then let's just call it what it is, a murder exemption. And then it should just be noted that that, that, that being, that, that, that life was taken by the choice of the mother and was taken by this doctor, and it was under an, an exemption that we've decided as a society to give, but at least Call it what it is, uh, but we can't. You know, you try to engage in these these conversations, and people just you know lose their mind. And I think there are good people on the other side that you know really struggle with just the concept that a woman at any point would would have to carry a, a child to term that they don't want. But mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, the reality is that at some point is. A, a being, a, a person that has rights, that, that whether they like it or not. And there's the, the other thing that comes up, and I'll bring it up because I'm sure it's going to be brought up later, you know, the rape and incest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that presents the most difficult thing because, you know, good Lord, who wants to, you know, force somebody to carry that to term? But, you know, first off, they're very, very, very rare. And, you know, maybe we can, it would be great if we just were discussing those you know, and not the millions that are simply birth control. The, these children are slaughtered uh, at Planned Parenthood for convenience sake. And the worst part is that rub salt in it is that we're forced to pay for it. Right, you know? right. And I can share, and I don't know how much time, but I, I also, I have, in my previous life, I was a finance vice president for a large multinational retailer. And I one time was hiring a uh, an individual with an open role for a director level person in our area. And one of the candidates was was a guy that had on his resume he was the controller for the local Planned Parenthood, which was odd and curious. And, and but he, that was you know his job once removed. And as I was going through as you as you normally do when you're talking to candidates about you know what they did and and, and why they left. Uh, and it was very illuminating for me to listen to, to have him talk because he, he was not a – he didn't have a crisis of con- conscience or anything. But what he did, he, he left because – not because he didn't – he became pro-life all of a sudden. But he he went in there thinking that he, he drank the Kool-Aid. You know, it was all about, mm-hmm. you know, choice. But, but – what made him really uncomfortable to the point that he just didn't really want to be a part of the organization anymore was that it really was all about churning out abortions. Abortions were the driver. It was the main, you know, we all have in business, we all have KPIs, right? There's all those, those metrics that we look at and we really focus on. Well, it was abortions. It was abortion. And while he wasn't, Against you know he was you know uh, that wasn't something he was totally against. He just found it not 
something that he could deal with, that that was just all they were really about. And, uh, and he, again, he wasn't somebody that had a big, you know, epiphany or anything. So, mm-hmm. but, and that's telling you, and, and look, we know that's true. We know, we, we know, we know that is, but, you know, to have somebody, a real life person who was there and was involved with it and just didn't want to be a part of it anymore is, is telling. Right. Well, I have my own personal, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll get to that one uh, after we get to Cornell here in a minute. I have my own personal uh, story to tell as well behind that, and you you might find that interesting as well, Brad. Well, thanks, Brad, for your uh, for your input on that topic. Uh, I'm going to put you on mute, and we're going to put the uh, floor open here in a minute. But before we do that, we're going to hear from Cornell. Go ahead, Cornell. It's great to have you on, man, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Um, first. Uh... I want to say that um, you said there's about 400,000 abortions per year from Planned Parenthood. 300 to to 400,000 approximately, of course. And since they service about 3 to 4 million people throughout the year, that would be about 10% of their business is doing abortions. Would that be correct? Yeah, and that's what it says. The remaining 10% is abortions, yes. Okay. Well, I, I, um, I'm okay with Planned Parenthood. I'm okay because of all the different services it provides and to millions of people, and even men, and we obviously know men are not getting abortions. So I'm okay with the services they provide because I think we just take one thing out of that and that's all the focus, but we don't look at everything they, they provide to women and to men, all the different services. Talking also about birth control, safe sex, um, and other methods, and they're not encouraging people to have an abortion, but they have that available. I, contrary to what people might believe, is me personally. I'm not for abortions. I'm, I wouldn't have if I had a, a woman and they came in that situation. I wouldn't want her to have an abortion. But mm-hmm. I also believe that it's not my choice to tell a woman to do with her body, especially in them situations that a woman got raped or incest or, you know, things like that. And it does happen. It's not like it doesn't. It happens. And I I don't feel I have the right. And it's the law. I mean, the law of the land at the present time, you can have an abortion, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just think they provide a lot of services to people that people don't realize. And not every clinic that is associated or affiliated with Planned Parenthood, and they're not all called Planned Parenthood, is, giving out abortions or having abortions. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what's uh, some of the other, uh, so a lot of people are asking in the chat room, what are some of the other services that uh, Planned Parenthood provide other than just uh, birth control, um, family counseling on birth control and abortion? Um, there's a, I didn't like, I had actually some research on that I did today, but for some reason I didn't take bring it home with me from work, but there's other type of counseling services and um, other type of affiliated services that you go into a clinic and um, have. Uh, I don't know all the details, but I know there's more than just abortions. Uh, and obviously there got to be, there's only 10% of the people getting abortions. Um, you know, well, there's services provided to men. Obviously they're not going in there and getting abortions. And there's a right. see what people people don't realize is there affiliates or people that like an umbrella under Planned Parenthood. Not everybody's just a Planned Parenthood clinic, um, and 
like there's other services or that gets money through the same way Planned Parenthood does and provides, you know, different type of physicals and things like that um, to ladies and men. And that's why it's sometimes a little sketchy for me because all we want to say is Planned Parenthood and their abortion. Well, actually, by numbers, it's only 10% of what they do. What if uh, what if I was a male and I wanted to uh, get a vasectomy? Would that be something they could help me with? I'm not sure. I can't. Yeah, he's, he's not a yeah I've yeah. He's uh, Jay. He's, he's not a. Uh, yeah, Cornell's not a like a, a Planned Parenthood expert. He doesn't work for Planned Parenthood, so you know uh, we probably don't want to go with that line of questioning because he, he probably can't tell us that. I don't. I can't even even myself. I can't either. Just being a voice for the voiceless, man. We. Uh, a lot of chat going on in the chat room. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, uh, on on like that I same said, token, I, I just, go ahead, Cornell. It's a, go ahead, Cornell. To me, it's a medical, to me, it's a medical health center, a medical clinic. And to get the support and the money to provide health care or advice to millions of people, I'm okay with that. Like I said before, for me personally, or my views, is I'm not okay, I'm not for abortion. I'm not for abortion. For me, I'm for other solutions, like adoption. For me, I might be doing that myself one day, and so I'm okay with other solutions. But, like I said, though, I'm not a woman, and I'm not the one to tell her what to do with her body, one, and I don't know what to tell her what to do if she was raped or incest or anything like that. And at the present moment, our law says you can have abortions. So at so, this present moment. So are you pro-life or pro-choice? Um, I always say I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> somewhere me, in between. <laughs> I, I don't, I wouldn't have, if I was in a relationship and it happened to be like that, we wouldn't be having, well, we'd be, I'd be fighting not to have an abortion. Okay. But, All right. I got you. But, I can't tell lady next door to me what to do with her body, and if her, you know, cousin raped her or it was some incestual stuff, um, I am not the one to tell her that, and she has that right because it's the law at the present so, moment. So let me ask you this question, since um, uh, and, and uh, Brad made a good point about this, and so uh, Hold Your Awakens in the chat room did as well. Um, they provide, they're basically providing at almost half a billion dollars a year from Title 10 and among um, Medic, you know, and from the Medicaid um, uh, kickbacks that they get from, uh, from that, they're almost a half a half a billion dollar industry a year. And that's not counting the abortions. However, they do the same thing that your doctor can do or your physician can do. So why do we actually, I'm still confused as to why, we would actually need Planned Parenthood. Can you uh, give me some insight on that, or at least your opinion on that? Um, well, there's a lot of different types of um, health centers, clinics that uh, people go to that they don't go to mm-hmm. a regular doctor. They go to a doctor or a, nur- or a nurse practitioner or a nurse, whatever. I work for a health center, so I, they mm-hmm. exist. The reason they exist is for more people to forget services and for more people sometimes on Medicare or access or um, public assistance 
you can't get them services everywhere with a regular doctor. Or you have to go two hours or an hour away to try to get them services because not everybody accepts them type of insurances or things. Or people who don't have insurance can't just go walk in and go and make an appointment with a doctor. So there's many needs out there. That clinic, I can't say for 100% what they take, but I'm sure they take um, some type of insurance or they don't turn people away like most clinics or health centers don't do. But mm-hmm. you can't just go doctor, some doctors with public assistance or Medicare or something like that. Not everybody accepts it. They don't, right. they don't accept it because it doesn't pay as much as, as regular insurance does. That's no true reason why they don't accept it. Okay. All right. Uh, we got another caller in here. I said I wasn't going to take calls, but uh, we'll go ahead and take uh, uh, this caller and see what uh, he or she has to say. And then we'll go to we'll let the floor open. So um, three six zero. Tell us who you are and how you feel about the questions. Hi, uh, my name is Ben. But um, welcome to the show, Ben. The question I just joined. I don't even know if I heard the question. I just heard the last two callers giving their opinions on um, abortion. Well, the first um, question, Ben, was do you think we should defund Planned Parenthood? And the second question is are you pro-life or pro-choice and why? Well, um, I've, I haven't always been. I've evolved to where I am now, where I believe that that is a life inside of a life. So mm-hmm. when it's when it's claimed as the woman's body, that's really not true because that that means that you draw the line. Um, there's there has to be a line drawn where where and when this person gets rights, and it can't be from when that person is independent because that's legally 18. Right. So where do you, where do you draw the line between the heartbeat and the set of rights? The other the other part that um, I'm against is the whole business deal with the the material the. DNA that comes from those abortions can be sent down to make uh, vaccines. So they they turn around and make a vaccine with that DNA, and then they end up making the vaccine mandatory to put into your kids for schools. So um, I have a problem when it's my tax dollars going to do something that ends up being mandatory. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I hear exactly uh, what you're talking about. And uh, that goes back to, I guess, the uh, the question of, um, and I'm going to leave the floor open on this. And um, actually, before I open the floor, I'm going to ask to see if Jay has anything to add to it. Jay, you have anything to add? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't always. Go ahead. <clears throat> yep, go ahead. And then the floor will be open. When it comes to Planned Parenthood, uh, the deflection of truth is massive, so massive it's shocking. Now, we all can't deny that in, that abortion is legal. I mean, that's one point that they jump on a lot of times is the fact that this is a legal act. This is something that has been passed, uh, Roe versus Wade. Well, in Nazi Germany, and oh, don't start on me yet before I get started here. Just follow me. In Nazi Germany, genocide and confiscation of uh, Jews' property was legal. Now, you say, Jay, you're going to compare Planned to the Nazis? You went there? Oh, hell yeah, I go there. Now, everything the Nazis did was legal and enacted by a democratically elected parliamentary body. 
which gave their Heil Hitler powers to make uh, edicts to be able to uh, do anything they want to a group of people. Same thing here. You're talking about a group of people. This are lives. Just because they're still inside the womb doesn't mean that they aren't alike. So basically what we're saying is when you say that you're, uh, that you're pro, uh, um, pro-abortion, pro uh pro-women and all these other things that they're saying it is. Actually, what you're saying is you're pro-murder and you're pro-extermination. Remember, you're backing a, uh, a facility which ends up being back, third highest backer by George Soros. Now, why every time we follow, no matter what topic we go on, when we follow the evil, George Soros is always there. That's yeah, that's right. for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I, yeah, James... Yeah, hold on, hold on, Bam. We'll open it. We'll open okay. up in just a minute here. Um, Jay makes a few good points. All right. Um, Alaskan said it's not the law, so we'll just have to uh, we'll have to double check on that. Um, Alaskan, but Jay makes a few good points here. I mean, you know, I think somebody in the chat room said it earlier, and I, and I I say the same thing, and I think the same thing is the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear Planned Parenthood is Margaret Sanger. And what did Margaret Sanger say? The first thing, the reason why she created. Uh, can anybody in here, the panel, tell me why Margaret Sanger created Planned Parenthood in the first place? To exterminate anybody. the undesirables. Exactly. And yep. she said, she said, she said, and I quote, I have it right here, we need to have population control over the Negro um, insurgents in America. That's for Margaret Sanger, the person who, uh, you know, developed this program or this organization here. So, I mean, for those of you out there uh, that support Planned Parenthood, uh, try to think about that. So that's the little underlying thing for me right there. So we're going to and go ahead and keep the floor open here at this point. And I want to touch base on something that Cornell said. Cornell said something about uh, he, he, is, he wouldn't do it, but it's the woman's choice. Is it really the woman's choice? And the floor is open. Well, first, first of all, um, to address some of those things is – Abortion, one, is legal. And also, when we talk about Planned Parenthood, not that I'm saying I believe in everything in Planned Parenthood, I'll go out and fight for it, but when you're talking about abortions, it's only 10% of the people they serve. Second of all, if they don't have abortions and abortion wasn't legal, we would all be paying for it anyways because these people would be having unwanted, Wait, right where it is. They would be having abortions anywhere in the back of their alley or whatever things. These people would be going into emergency rooms and things like that. I also think Planned Parenthood saves us money. How some of these people are getting services that if they weren't to be getting these services or advice or things like that, they would be going elsewhere or they'd be going to the emergency room or they'd be trying to have abortions here, there, and everywhere, and they wind up in the emergency room. Then we have to pay for it anyways. And well, I mean, they get half a billion dollars a year to do that. You don't think if we put that half a billion dollars back into our hospital or our medical industry that we would be able to service that anyhow? What, service at a hospital or abortions or what? Or, or, or a medical clinic. I mean, if we put $500 million into, into our, our medical system, think of the things that we could do and think of the support that we could uh, get for those types of folks. And my other thing with abortion is that people who are against abortion, instead of worrying about what Planned Parenthood is doing or following the law, they should be out trying to change the law. If they don't like it, then try to change it. 
But the law of the land right now is you're allowed to have an abortion. Right. You know, and I I, I don't I don't know what it's like. I'm not a woman. I'm not. I can never get pregnant. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know what it's like to um, want to have abortion, or and I um, or I wouldn't know what it's like that I was raped and I got pregnant. I wouldn't. So I can't really say what's in that woman's mind or body or feelings and things like that. And people could say, oh, it's easily have a baby or whatever. But that's nine months of knowing what's going on or reliving what happened that night to that woman or whatever. And I also want to say, just so people are clear, that Planned Parenthood is just not for women. Right, right, right. But, I mean, the, yeah, yeah, we'll get you. Hold on a second here, Ben. Or was that Brad? Um, all right. The the big thing about Planned Parenthood, though, you talk about ten percent only being abortions, but if you're pop, if you're serving a population of a million, um, that's a hundred thousand people. Um, even if it's a hundred thousand people in that particular area, and you're doing ten percent of the abortions, that's still ten thousand people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of lives. That's a lot of people uh, getting the same same thing over and over again. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah, I want to address this 10% notion because it's it's incorrect. How Planned Parenthood comes up with their number is what they do is every time an individual darkens the door of a Planned Parenthood, that's a click. That's, that's an engagement. That's one person. So when someone goes in to, to have an abortion, they don't just walk in pregnant and walk out not pregnant. There's multiple visits in and out. So, and if you were to walk in and darken the door of a plant just to get information, just to talk about each time a person walks in, they're counting that as as a click. So, to, I don't believe that's that true. That, it's not, no, that's that, not that, true. That, that it counts as each person as they serve a person like any health center. It's not, we don't count you as clicks. We count you as a person. So when a health center says we serve 2 million people, we serve a million people, it's that person individually a million, not a million times, so then, not 20. That's not true. That's not true. So then the math doesn't work then because the funding, with, with you, if you take the dollars, it's totally out of whack. And I'm just going by what I was on how they actually did it, on how they calculated and where that is. And I know I've even read that in other places as well. So, again, I'm not an expert on Planned Parenthood. But even if it is just, you know, I mean, if we just did 10%, I mean, what difference does that make? That's still hundreds of thousands of abortions. And I just – so it's really kind of just fun with numbers. It's legal. I wanted to raise a question. Go ahead, man. Can I raise a question about property rights? If I was was trying to take all the emotions and feelings out of this argument and bring it into a court of law, I would try to simply prove ownership of DNA. So if if I'm standing there, I'm telling you that I, I am the owner of my own DNA, because that's the only kind of DNA there is for me. Mm-hmm. It's mine. So when a woman is arguing that it's her body, she didn't create that DNA. She has 50-50 of somebody else that created that person. Right. Well, that's like two people buying a house 50-50. One of them wants to burn the house down. Why aren't the 
the fathers being involved at all. I mean, a signature or something that that shows that they also want the abortion. Right. Well, because unfortunately, probably a lot of them aren't involved, and that's the problem. Why should the government, in that that case, that's irresponsible behavior. Why should the government pay for that? If you can't prove who the father is that got you pregnant, that's an irresponsible action by all definition. If you're asking somebody else to help you pay for it, your irresponsibility. On the other hand, if there are two parents that are known parents, they should both be involved in signing the paper. That's a good point, Ben. It's a very good point. Why? I got. Why? Why, why, why do when we talk about defunding, we talk about getting rid of all their funds? Um, we never say, "Well, we'll cut their funds a little bit," or we just want to defund it totally. That's what a lot of That's people, because, most people, want to do. But because they won't separate breaking, themselves, they're not breaking from the it. law, though. They're not breaking the law. At the present moment, they're not breaking the law. No one, not, no one like said, said that they were. No one said that they were breaking the law. I mean, there's been a okay. lot of laws, you know. I mean, under Sharia law, it's legal for me to beat my wife if she pisses me off, <laughs> you know. Well, you don't live. Well, you don't live <laughs> it. it doesn't oh, come we'll up. About no, that. but what I'm saying is, it doesn't come down to what's legal and what's not legal. It comes down to what's, you know, what's right and what's wrong, what's evil and what's good. And I'm sorry, but destroying a life before it has a chance to take a breath is evil. All right, I'm going to give my point of view here in just a second, but I want to hear what uh, Boyd has to say. Um, and we'll keep the panel at this level right now. Um, if you're planning on calling in, ladies and gentlemen, don't call in any more callers because I'm not going to accept any more callers because we have quite the uh, amount of folks on the line here right now. We're going to keep it at that. So go ahead, Boyd. Tell us what, uh, what you think. Well, my only comment is it is not a law, and you won't find it on any books. Roe v. Wade, all Roe v. Wade did was take the law that was in Texas, they're unconstitutional. At that point, then any state that had a law that uh, banned abortion, it became unconstitutional, and therefore it was taken off the books. So there is no law that says abortion is legal. There is no law that uh, says abortion is illegal. There is not a law. Therefore, I guess it's legal, but it's not a law. And Congress could pass a law, and then it would have to go back through this through the legal system to the Supreme Court and be ruled on by the Supreme Court. Boy, you got some background uh, music or background noise coming in through there, buddy. Cornell, you Sorry want to retort on that? I'm going to I'm going to mute. Okay. okay. Cornell, you want to retort on that? No, I don't. You're saying it's a law, and he's saying it's not. So um, well, I haven't I'm really done my it. research on it. So okay. I don't right. think it's specifically a law. I could be using the word wrong as a, as a law, but according to 
our Supreme Board, Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade, you can't make it illegal to stop abortions at the present moment. So to me, it's illegal to have abortions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's Doc? Um, where's Doc Yellow when like you need I, him? <laughs> Go ahead. But I, I mean, for me, like I said in the very beginning, I'm not for abortion, but I'm also okay with um, funding Planned Parenthood uh, just because of all the different services they provide and all the people they're helping. People don't realize that there's millions and millions of people, one, not getting any services or getting services through places like Planned Parenthood or clinics that doctors or your doctor wouldn't provide or can provide or can even have a case uh, patient load that they can keep up with, and if we're if they are if they abortion would become illegal, it would still be happening, and we would still be paying because all these people would wind up in the hospital and emergency room and things like that. So we would still either way we would be paying. One right, right. Pay. I mean, to be truthful. Well, I think you know. Right. I think regardless, we're we're going to pay for it um, one way or the other. And right now, I think we're paying. In my personal opinion, we're paying too much for it because just think of the medical the medical field. Uh, you work for a um, a uh, um, a medical uh, facility, uh, Cornell. Can you imagine what you what you, what that facility could do with even a hundred thousand dollars? I mean, if we have half a billion dollars that we that's out there in Title Ten, and Planned Parenthood is sucking up most of that. Title 10 um, funding, and that's not being able to be funneled down to the other medical centers uh, like yourself, like the one that maybe you work at that could use it. It is a lot of medical centers, though. That's what people don't realize. It's not one building and one build or 52 buildings. It's a lot of buildings and a lot of affiliates. They're not all called Planned Parenthood, first of all. They're not all Planned Parenthood. There's a lot of affiliates and things like that under Planned Parenthood. So it's a lot of facilities providing services to three, four million people a year. So mm-hmm. I get it, and of course everybody wants money. Every organization, every nonprofit, or every um, medical center would love to have more and more money. But it's providing services to lots and lots of people. It's not like it's one organization and one building or one facility. There's many, many all over the country, and all over. Right. I believe it. I'm in outside the country, but so so my point, uh, guys. Uh, let me make my point here, and then I'm going to give you a um, a reason why I had was originally pro-choice, and I had changed to pro-life, and I have quite a great story to tell behind that. But first off, I want to just state that uh, Planned Parenthood makes millions off of abortions, and little benotes to the community, they get to write it off on their taxes. Um, to me, a killing is, is killing. There's no gray area. Okay. We talk about, um, um, we talked about, the uh, the, the guy that, uh, would happen to kill a pregnant woman and get charged with a double homicide. Of course, the, as doc said, the, the law, it, it's a different law. The laws vary from state to state. 
But I think there was a, and again, I wish I would have gotten the research on this, and, and that's my fault. So I'm just kind of shooting from the hip on this. But there actually was a gentleman who got charged in a double homicide murder because, and it happens all the time, uh, because of the uh, in, in, for, because of the lady that uh, um, was carrying a baby at the time, and, and some of them were in their first trimester or the second trimester. But my point is, it's still killing a life. In my opinion, it is. Um. <clears throat> I used to work for a, uh, and besides, there's so many other options out there. I mean, there's so many support channels out there. Why would your first option be abortion? And I used to work for a clinic. I'm not proud to say that. I used to work for the York Clinic down on Beaver Street. And I was a center manager down there, and I wasn't prepared for what was to come. I had thought when I had first taken this job that it was just going to be, uh, you know, I was going to make sure that they were HIPAA compliant because I have that background um, that, uh, you know, the health, the state health inspectors were going to come in there and make sure that we were doing everything according to the law, according to, to, to regulation, you know, yada, yada. What I didn't know was I actually would have to clean up after abortions. And this is what changed my mind. And what I'm about to say, if you got little ones listening in on the show, which hopefully you don't because we tend to get potty mouth every once in a while, but just in case, you might want to put them aside right now because what I'm about to say is quite graphic. After an abortion was performed, one of the ladies that was a nurse that uh, was in our center, she didn't want to uh, clean the mess up. And I didn't understand what clean the mess up meant at the time. That was, uh, uh, you know, that was a code for go get the baby parts and put them in a can and put them in the refrigerator. And so when she didn't do it, I didn't have a choice. I went over there and I pulled back the cover or this, this, uh, it was on, a, it was on like one of those, uh, because if you ever seen the if you ever seen any doctor show or medical show, you you've seen the, like the big silver plates uh, where they store all the um, the, uh, the the tools that they use for surgeries on. Well, the, this is where this is where this particular uh, abortion was laying. So and it was covered by a a uh, um, it was covered by a, a a blue a blue sham. So I pulled this blue sham back. And lo and behold, it blew my mind. It totally, uh, it, it destroyed me. Uh, I seen, and this is, uh, um, I'm st- sick to my stomach and I'm trying not to get too emotional right now because it still gives me goosebumps to this day. Uh, I seen three abortions sitting there, three, three babies sitting there. And um, there was a leg, an arm, uh, what looked to be a head, a portion of a torso, legs, um, and it killed me. And at that particular point of my life, I looked at that and said, wow, you were pro-choice. And now you got to see the example of why you shouldn't be pro-choice. And um, it tore me apart. I mean, it really did. And I uh, I quit the same day. I quit 
and um, they asked me the reason why I quit. And I said, today, from what I've seen, it made me pro-life. Because there is no way in any good conscience can any person destroy something so beautiful like that. And to me, now more than ever since I've fought cancer twice, life to me is precious. If anybody out there can say life is precious, it's me. And to see something like that in front of my, my own eyes, it, 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 uh, I cried for two days straight. And I'm a man, and I don't, I don't uh, you know, I was in the military for, for, for almost 20 years, and I've been to places and done things and seen things, and I don't cry too much. But that made me, uh, that made me cry. Yeah, Mary, I was supposed to write a book about it, but every time I try, I just, I can't, I can't uh, keep, I can't uh, bring myself to go on to the next chapter. So I kind of put that to the side. So what I'm trying to say to uh, our panelists, I understand that some people might think that it's it's the lady's choice or the, the female's choice of what she wants to do with her body. But what about the little body that's inside? Who gets to have a choice for them? I believe life begins at conception. I believe truly in my heart that once that sperm fertilizes that egg, that's life. And if it wasn't, we all wouldn't be here. So with that said, I know I didn't mean to be a Debbie Downer on the show here <laughs> for everybody. No, that was, that was awesome, Sarge. But uh, it is what it is. Go ahead, Jay. No, I agree. And uh, from another end, um, I had someone in my life that uh, years ago was extremely important to me. I'm not going to go into anything but um uh, at a young age she was uh she was forced to uh, have an abortion by her father um basically he told her that um she was no longer his daughter if he didn't if she didn't um i met her not long after that i had no idea about it until she told me but um the effects on the woman after they have an abortion is extreme um there were nights when she just cried all night um we would have an awesome day everything would be going great and then all of a sudden she would get into a depression um it takes a lot of toll on the on the woman as well and her big thing was always to let people know that you know people that she was close enough to to let her know what happened what that that had happened to her that um it's not a choice to make because you never get over it right Right. And I want to mention something to the audience out there. When I was at that center, um, our abortion nights, we did it twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And uh, we would bring in just for my clinic alone per night, sometimes twenty, thirty thousand dollars a night on abortions alone. And I know I get a lot of shit from the liberal from the liberal left on this, but we had what I like to call frequent flyers. I swear to God, I've seen one girl come in there every three, four months for the same thing. And when I asked her, I said, hey, wouldn't it just be good for you to get on birth control? She goes, nah, I, don't, I don't like birth control. It's, it gets too expensive. I'd rather just do this every, every time you know, that it happens. It's, it's a lot easier for me, and it's a less, less expensive. 
<laughs> yeah, same same thing here, dude. I had a I had a guy. Before, I mean, a, a guy. I had a girl before tell me that uh, the reason why that she didn't get on birth control was that if she had an abortion, it wouldn't affect her figure, but um, being on birth control made her gain weight. So apparently, gaining weight was more important than the life of a child. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's uh, get. Does anybody else ha- on the panel have anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. Um, Go ahead. Has has, been a, has there been a Supreme Court case that proves self ownership that a individual owns himself, DNA and everything? I <laughs> or, couldn't tell you that. I haven't done that part of the research on that. Because if there was, if you did own yourself, if you were the sole proprietor of you and your DNA, then it can become a dispute between who owns the child. Right. But it would also, the other purpose for that argument, that discussion, would be proof that the people own themselves, that they're not owned by a corporation or a nation. Right. So I think a lot of it gets overlooked. As far as morals, I I see the marching and um, the enthusiasm, and it's basically glorifying uh, promiscuous behavior, and it's not showing any kind of, you know, punishment for, you know, irresponsibility. And I think people should be footing the bill at least for these kind of mm-hmm. uh, mistakes. Right, You wouldn't right. see somebody with 17 abortions that had to pay for all 17, you know. It gets yep. expensive to be responsible. Yeah, you're right. It certainly does, and you make a good point, Ben. Uh, that's for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is at the top of the hour, and boy, I tell you what, Planned Parenthood kind of took up a, <laughs> a lot more chunk of our time uh, than it than I expected, but uh, I don't think uh, our next topic will be uh, quite as long as uh, there's just not a lot to discuss about it, but we wanted to touch base on it tonight because as uh, as you know, Cornell um, is a congressman and um, he, or as a, I'm sorry, is a councilman and uh, for a city here in Pennsylvania for Lebanon. And um, he wanted to talk about gerrymandering, so I told him I'd give him that tonight. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the top of the hour here on The War Room with Big Sergeant J50. Well, I would like to thank all our panel members for quite uh, the conversation uh, for that first topic. Uh, you know, it's okay if we don't get to one topic or, or, or another. It is a two-hour show, and I try to get to all three topics. Uh, we haven't got to the radical Islam topic, I don't think, on any of our shows yet. No, this is the third show we did for the roundtable, our fourth show uh, overall. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, that's what the uh, war room is about. It's about discussion. It's about getting out there and talk the issues and, uh, you know, hearing from both sides. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I want to make sure that we get a chance to hear from not just one side of the one side of the spectrum, uh, but from both sides of the spectrum. So let's get on to our second topic. 
uh, gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is best described by the origin of the word itself. It is believed to have been a combination of the last name of uh, Eldridge Jerry, a governor of Massachusetts in the early 1800s, and the word, believe it or not, salamander. Why? Governor Jerry signed into law a plan for dividing the legislative districts in his state that was intended to benefit his political party. One district was so misshapen, a leading publication ran a cartoon showing how it resembled the winding shape of a salamander. <laughs> for the next 200 years, state legislators have used their line drawing powers to create strangely shaped districts to their political advantage. Excuse me, to their political advantage. Gerrymandering often occurs in two forms, referred to as packing and cracking. Packing is when a legislator chooses to concentrate on another group's members into one district, allowing the legislator's majority party to win all the others. Cracking, on the other hand, is breaking up that opposing party's block in order to make them the minority in many districts and unable to win elections. Both are strategic in ways to give one party a better chance of holding more congressional and state legislative seats than they should win based on uh, proportion of, of voters. Uh, gerrymandering also affects all the legislative districts. So with that said, um, I'm going to go ahead and start with Cornell this time. Uh, so uh, is, ger is gerrymandering really a considerable problem in the United States? And if so, why do you think so? Go ahead, Cornell. Well, I can speak mainly for PA, but in the United States, it is a very serious problem. But in PA, it's probably one of the worst problems in the top five. I think we're no. I think we're in the top two or three worst gerrymandering states in the in the whole United States. It's ridiculous. It happened on both sides. It happens, and it's just to make sure that one party, and obviously that's why the Republicans are in charge. In, the ha um, in Pennsylvania, and um, one party has, gets more seats and has control. I think if we had a fair um, independent panel deciding these districts and make them more realistic and fair, we wouldn't have this issue. There would be a lot of competitive races, and maybe the same person would still win. But we don't have that situation, um, and that's why we don't have a lot of good people always running or good people taking that chance to represent us because they, they're scared, or oh, why would I waste my time in a district that I can't win? Now, if we had a, a fair, independent panel, there are still going to be some areas where a Democrat would win and just because of the population, and there would be a few areas where a Republican would still win, most likely. But there's a lot of areas and a lot of districts that would be very competitive, and the best man or the best woman or the best campaigner or the people would like would win the seat. And maybe it would be still from the same party or maybe not. But we don't have no fair, and this year, um, the last couple of uh, 10 years, 15 years, was probably the worst ever. How are things? There are some congressmen or um Represent um, PA senators or House people who are representing two, three, four, seven, eight, nine counties. How can you represent a county? Um, how can you be a true representative to five, six, seven counties? You can't be everywhere all the time. Second of all, there's some counties alone that are breaking into four representatives. Um, Lebanon now 
let's just say for House seats, we have three. We don't need three representatives to represent Lebanon, but we have it because of gerrymandering. And we need a panel, independent panel, that decides fair districts, and we would have very competitive, very fair races. We might even have a lot of new people who would run and rep- to represent us, but we don't have that right now. We have, and it's not right, It's and I'm not saying it's one party over the other. It's just not right, period. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Uh, thanks for your input, Cornell. We'll get the open top, or we'll get the uh, floor open here in just a second. So, Brad, what's your uh, thoughts on that? Oh, I I agree, and I would only you know something else I would add to what Cornell said is uh, you know I don't an independent panel where are you going to find that? Uh, but my thoughts are you know if we really wanted to solve this, this could be solved by a simple mathematical algorithm that someone could agree to with mm-hmm. some rules. But you know, you have to have contiguous you know townships or city you know. Uh, within a district, they can't, you know, snake along certain areas. It's got to be based off existing, uh, you know, political ba- or boundaries. And you just say, look, there's X number. We know what the population uh, uh, estimates are in each of these areas. So we take that information. A representative should represent X number of people. Uh and obviously in rural areas, you might end up having multiple counties that you represent. But a representative can represent so many people. It should be a continuous a district that is, you know, not misshapen. And you could literally just develop a mathematic algorithm that could, that could do the job uh, and, and come up with a number. And then maybe you have the independent panel take a look at it and make sure that there's no real issues with it. But this problem is so solvable, and both parties do it, uh, you can have a hard time finding any honest person who's not a corrupt politician to say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We need it. So, right. You know, but but it, I think it's, it's, it's easily solvable, but it won't happen because the result of the gerrymandering is you get people in there, and they're like, they're in there for life. They got it. And those right. people aren't going to vote to fix it. So it's just typical cronyism in politics. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I agree with you 110% on that, and I'll touch base on what I have to say about that in just a minute. Uh, Jay, uh, what do you, what's your thoughts on gerrymandering? Yeah, actually, I want to agree with exactly with, uh, with uh, both guys. Um, actually, there was a software engineer in uh, Massachusetts named Brian Olson. Uh, he wrote an algorithm to – to you know, to get rid of gerrymandering in his spare time, you know, just to uh, to present it and 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 see how it was received. Um, what it does is it's an algorithm that creates creates an optimally compact, equal population congressional districts in each state, and it's based off the census. This one was based off the 2010 census, and basically it just it breaks down every area by uh, population, and it it makes it all completely equal. Uh, the problem is he was shot down completely, and neither side wanted to back him up on this. So gerrymandering is a problem on both sides of the aisle. Right, right. Thanks, Jay. And uh, Boyd, uh, are you still on with us here, buddy? Yes, sir, I am. Go ahead and give us your thoughts on uh, gerrymandering. 
You know, I have to say that uh, it's all political. The party that's in power is the one that gets to draw the lines every 10 years. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a mess. When you see some of the, the districts we got up here in the state of Alaska, it just makes you shake your head. Because representative, some representatives, because of the way the lines are drawn, have to cross two districts to get to the other half of their district. Right, right, right. So I guess we uh, we almost don't have to keep an uh, open uh, <laughs> an open floor for this because we all kind of agree on the same thing. Now I got a Skype caller. I'm going to see who the Skype caller is here real quick, and we'll see what Skype caller. Who are you? And uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Sarge. This is Naj in Atlanta, man. I didn't have long, to but I figured I'd try to check in with you. <laughs> no, no, no. Not really, man. <laughs> so, what do you think about gerrymandering, man? Oh, now this, I got some interesting stuff for y'all. Uh, All right. Go back to 2010. Uh, the Democrat Party was celebrating themselves for figuring out Facebook like it was some complicated thing about getting people <laughs> together to vote. And the Republicans actually invested in something called Maptitude. Uh, y'all can check it out tonight. You can Google it. But it was a program, and it basically linked up likenesses in voters. And they were able to link voters based on what magazines were bought in the area, what food was bought in the area, uh, you know, what radio stations were listened to, like all of this different data they were able to throw together. And that's how you got 2010 to where Republicans won damn near every state house and state district you could ever think of. Uh, Democrats have been trying to come up with a way to, to do the same. That's why they haven't complained about it because you know, the game, uh, whoever cheats best wins. If you're not cheating, you ain't trying, you know, that's kind of the mantra they take on as politicians. So the gentleman who said uh, somebody came up with with something to get rid of gerrymandering, you see that neither side wanted to take it on because they both enjoy the fruits of cheating. But uh, 2010 was an interesting time, man. You go back and look at that, and now you look around the country and you see all these different state houses and districts controlled by Republicans. That's why. But here's the rub. The Republicans didn't think that maybe their base would actually – rally against them and choose an outsider who is not a traditional Republican, who the Republican, you know, top brass wouldn't want in. And that's how you get a Donald Trump. So they got the good of it in winning elections, but they got the bad of it in they got an outsider candidate who they didn't want uh, because so much of the base was now connected. So it's an interesting thing, but check out Maptitude and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I certainly will. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on. And I'll keep you in the queue here, Nas, as always. Uh, Nas, is, uh, uh, he, he uh, popped on our show a few weeks ago, and uh, we've kept him on ever since. Uh, a real intelligent guy that I enjoy having on the show, and he brings a different perspective, definitely, uh, to the war room. So my thoughts on this. Um, we already know every 10 years, uh, at least in most of the states, uh, the majority party that controls the process uh, of uh, assessing the census results, they are the ones that decide on how the districting, oh God, say that five times fast, districting goes. The Supreme Court also has ruled that engaging in partisan gerryman- gerrymandering is unconstitutional. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I just can't talk tonight. After that little choke up with the Planned Parenthood thing, I got to get my head back in the game here. <laughs> so 
we have the Supreme Court on one end telling us that it's illegal to uh, engage in, it's unconstitutional to engage in partisan gerrymandering. But yet every 10 years we do it anyhow, just like Nas said. In 2012, when the lines were redrawn, they seemed to they seemed to benefit the Democratic Party as they won 22 of the 31 House seats. And this is here in Pennsylvania. Um, now more of the Democratic Democratic controlled areas are all mapped out to benefit those areas. And the GOP also on their side of the House um, are also mapped out to benefit those areas. But here in Pennsylvania, uh, in the bigger, more populous cities, they seem to be mapped. They met, they mapped out most of that as democratic. And, uh, uh, and of course, you know, we all know Philadelphia is a huge Demo- uh, Democrat, uh, city, a uh, liberal city. So, um, you know, that, that, that makes sense. Now here's something I want to talk about. And, uh, Cornell can, uh, provide some input on this here in just a second. Uh, Wait, I, I want to talk um, about what you guys said. All right, hold on a second, uh, Cornell. I'll give you a chance to retort in just a second here. Um, one thing that I don't like here in Harrisburg, we have a mayoral um, a vote coming up here very soon, and, it, and this is not only in our city, a lot of the, all, all the other cities as well. Our local laws prohibit you from voting across party lines. In other words, if I'm a registered Democrat in in the Harrisburg area, I can't vote for a Republican mayor if i happen to like him over the choice of democrats and vice versa now unfortunately um i'm a i'm a registered republican in the state of pennsylvania so i don't like anybody that's on the democrat i I like i kind of like one person that's that's on the on the democratic side of the of the house as far as um our mayor is concerned but even if i did like them 110 percent, i can't go vote for them and I think that's also a part of the problem um, as well as far as gerrymandering is concerned, not being able to to, to cross um, those party lines if you see somebody you like. So go ahead, uh, Cornell. I'll allow you to retort on that. Okay, I'll retort on a whole bunch of things. First of all, everybody sure. knows that when income, most of the time when an incoming president comes in, the year, which would be 2010 then, that the party that's not the major, not of the president usually – does well in the elections, and there's some states, and and the Republicans didn't win because of some good metrics. Um, they won because of gerrymandering, or they just were the better candidates in that state, or they're always going to win in certain states, just like Democrats are always going to win in certain states because of the way things broken up or the registration of the people. Now there are some states that gerrymandering. Happens, but it's not really a serious issue. But Pennsylvania is one of the worst, and the worst of ever. And um, the other thing is, that's what we call primaries, and that's why we have primaries. So one party, each party can pick their representative of their party. I'm not keen on everything that has to do with primaries, and that's how the system's set up now. So that's the reason why you can't vote in there because you're supposed to be voting for the best Republicans that represent the Republican Party. I'm supposed to be voting for the best Democrat to represent the Democratic Party. That's what a primary is, and no independents can vote. I have issues with that. If I'm gonna, if we're all gonna pay, we should all get to vote some way somehow. There's other states that let independents sign up or change their party. 
per se. Also, if you did want to vote in the Democratic primary, you could have changed your registration for, and then changed it back to Republican. If that meant that serious to you and you really wanted to vote for that Democratic candidate, that happens all the time where your friend's running and he's a Democrat and you want to support him or you want to get signatures for him, you're allowed to switch over. Switching over is easy by just rechanging it. It doesn't mean it changes your morals or your values or your beliefs. You're changing it to help or you want to have a say. That's why it's set up. Now, do we need primaries? I don't know. Do we, California does something a little different now. It's the top two people who win move on to the general election. So sometimes mm-hmm. you can have two Democrats, sometimes you can have two Republicans, or one and one. And I kind of like that, but that's not the system we have set up here in Pennsylvania. I just think that we need to really look at this. We can get independent people and we do base it off of numbers, but like I said, there are going to be, still be four or five truly Democratic areas, no matter what you do, four or five, six Republican areas, no matter how you break it down, just because of the area and the registration. But the rest of the state could be very competitive, and I think then we would get people, new people, people who we really might want, or people who are not bound down to the party or bound down to special interests, and we get the right man or woman for the job. And it would be a split, and then, and then they would be forced to work together because one party wouldn't have full rulership or full control. I believe it would be closer, numbers would be closer on each side, and we'd have people working together finally, and hopefully... Our legislators, there are some legislators out there who are looking at it, who do support that. I don't know if there's enough, but we need to do something. Here's the other issue. The census is not accurate, unfortunately, and it's not done accurately, unfortunately. So we don't get a true um, true number sometimes, I believe. I believe sometimes there's more people exist and weren't counted or there's people counted in many different ways and I that's another problem that we have to look at is is everybody being counted because you can go to one place and say oh there's only 5% African American let's say but when you look around and you go around you know there's at least 15-20% or when your school district is 60% of African Americans there's no way that could be correct so we have to look and make sure census is being done accurately. Is people really reporting who lives in the house or who lives there? And that that's for many different reasons, unfortunately. But that's one of the problems where it starts is with the census. But we need to we do need to solve this gerrymandering problem because we're we're starting to get where depending on where the state is or who it is, it's always one party rulership. And I don't think our system was set up for a one-party rulership. To me, that's a dictatorship in itself. We have three three, um, chambers or, you know, three areas. It's not meant to be one party ruling all three areas, kind of like what we have right now with Congress and Senate and the White House and the Supreme Court. But I don't – even if it was Democrats, I, I don't think it's right. I don't think one party, it should be one party rulership either. 
Right, right. And I, uh, I absolutely agree with the agree with that. I think pretty much across the board, everybody's agreed on uh, the whole gerrymandering thing. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse um, anymore tonight. Uh, there were some good points on this topic and it's getting really, uh, get, we're getting really under the gun here um, for our third topic. And I definitely want to get into this third topic. So uh, Jay, you don't have anything else to add to it? No, absolutely not. That horse is dead and stinking. All right. Good, good. Um, I, that was a, a damn good topic and, uh, yeah, it needs to be addressed. Uh, unfortunately, there's just not a good way to, uh, address that right now. And again, uh, I guess, uh, like I said, we're all in agreement with that. So our third topic and uh, another topic that hits home with me and probably about three quarters of the war room right now. And that is uh, radical Islam in America. Janet Jackson, Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Everlast, Dave Chappelle, Mike Tyson, Ellen Burstyn. What do all these people have in common? Can you tell me, Jay? They all practice Islam. They are all Americans who converted from Christianity to Islam. Of course, famous names are only a part of the picture. The Islamic, uh, the American Islamic population is growing by leaps and bounds. According to uh, Islam 101, between 5 and 8 million Muslims are currently living in the United States. Pew Research indicates that by 2050, Islam will be equal to Christianity as the most popular religion in the world and supplement Judaism as the second most popular in the United States. United States Census Bureau data indicates that 100,000 legal, approximately now, 100,000 legal Muslim immigrants enter the United States every year, and a majority of the 70,000 refugees and asylees admitted yearly speak Arabic as their primary language, not English, Arabic. Over 90% of the refugees are also on welfare. Among the most prominent illegal immigrants, Islam is also a growing trend. Pew Research indicates that 4% of the American Muslims are Hispanic, and conversion rates have been rising sharply since the 90s. PBS calls Latinos the fastest-growing segment of the American Muslim population. Given the concurrent fears of radical Islamic terror and the rise of multiculturalism and the cult of being too politically correct, these undeniable demographic trends have given rise to, sharp, to a sharply divergent philosophy to cope with these new realities. As the Islamization of America continues apace, and don't tell God he holds you that I pronounced it that way, he'll kill me, <laughs> we will find out one way or the other where the big liberal cities, uh, whether or not the big liberal cities or the conservative states have had the right approach. And we'll definitely say that in the coming future here. So given that, given just that little bit of information here, and I'm going to start with Jay this time and then uh, go on down the line here. Uh, my question is, is radical Islam a threat to our way of life here in America, and why do you think it is, Jay? It's absolutely a threat to our way of life. Um, every corner, every time you hear them talking, they want to uh, push their laws on us. Um, their main agenda is to uh, convert uh, everyone to Islam and have everyone follow Sharia law. Um, that's the end game. Um, as you've seen this week, there was a video floating around uh, Facebook, I believe it was out of Germany, how the uh, imam was standing on the corner talking about how um, the takeover was imminent, that everyone will be following Sharia law, that in uh, 10 years or whatever the amount he said, that um, 
the, that Islam was going to take over the country and this would be Islamic ground. That's the way they believe. As crazy as it may be, that's the way they believe. And they believe they can do the same thing here. It's their way of uh, divide and conquer. Uh, make people you, – you hit people at the core when you start talking about religion. Um, if you can convert someone to your side and you can take their faith in God with you, you can get them to do anything. You can get them agree, to agree to anything. And one of the things that blows my mind is how the left can support these people, how they can support Sharia law, how they can uh, support uh, Islam and the Muslims. Uh, they're completely against everything that the liberals stand for. Um, homosexuality, the LBGT community is a big part of uh, the, the Democratic Party, yet in Sharia law, they believe you can throw homosexuals off of a uh, building or you can stone them to death. Um, women's rights, fourth wave feminism, okay? You have them on the streets marching every day talking about equal this and equal that, yet they back up the Muslims who believe that women are beneath men, that they shouldn't inherit the same amount of money as men. They shouldn't own property like men. They shouldn't drive. It's, the list goes on and on and on. It's completely asinine that they even back these people up. So apparently in some way, shape, or form, their agenda is working, and I believe it's the fact that most liberals have their – we'll say head in the sand for a better uh, word. I wanted to say it another way. But um, absolutely, absolutely. When it boils down to it, not to get too long-winded, but when it boils down to it, yeah, they're an absolute threat to uh, our way of life. I seen a meme this week that uh, on Twitter that one of my uh, uh, one of our followers uh, tweeted. Um, it said it was a snake running through a, a, a green grass, and it said the snake is radical Islam, and the grass is the mo- is moderate Islam that protects the snake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Couldn't have said it better. All right. Um, so, Brad, what's your thoughts on uh, on this? Well, I would agree. It absolutely is a threat, uh, and it's been the objective for the the radicals is to turn America and everywhere into a caliphate. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's almost there's no denying that. Uh, problem is, you know, what do you, what do you do about it? I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a religion. It's a it's a philosophy. It's a way, so you know we're not gonna. I don't think we're gonna outlaw a religion or a philosophy. That that doesn't work. So I think we just gotta be. Uh, we just gotta be American, and we've gotta be you know uh, who we are, and not uh, hate them because you know they're they're Muslim. But at the same time, we have to draw the line and say, you know what, we are not gonna put up with some of this this nonsense uh, right. and we're not going to let you take over uh, the, the the thing we have to watch out for is taking over in the schools and you know in, in, in those areas where you know they get their foothold in and that, that's a significant issue uh, and I know there's some you know with the moderates to you know that is I struggle with sometimes is why they aren't more vocal, aren't more, you know, uh, out there. But the problem is the the radicals want to kill them next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm reminded of, you know, there was a few years ago, uh, there was a, a TV channel. 
out of Buffalo, New York, called Bridges TV. And Bridges TV was uh, it was uh, run by uh, the Muslim organization, and there, and the founder of Bridges TV uh, really had a, had a laudable goal. He, he wanted to kind of improve the, the the image that people have of Muslims. He wanted to share, you know, about Islam and show it in a in a, in a better light, and also try to uh, stem the tide of radicalism a little bit and show and and kind of you know do the stuff that we we like them to do, um, and that worked great up until his wife uh, didn't obey him and he sawed her head off. So <laughs> that was the end of Bridges TV. So uh, you know it uh, it is a challenge, it is a threat, but you know how we react to it I think is important. I think we need, we need to react to it as Americans uh, and defend our our way of life, but. Uh, you know, not uh, you know, we can't go around you know hating on Muslims. Over in Europe, and I've spent a lot of time over in Europe uh, in previous life because I worked for a company that was based out of there. So I've been to the no-go zones in the Netherlands and Amsterdam. I've mm-hmm. been to into parts of Belgium where you just it, Europe is. Let, let me just tell you this right now: Europe is gone. Uh, there are huge swaths of Europe that you can just write off. It is going to be a caliphate. Uh, you know, and and the mistake that many countries in Europe made was they just, you know, they just had an open borders policy, and they thought that if they just, you know, gave these people welfare, that they would appreciate it and they would integrate, and that was that was misguided, and they are paying a heavy price. They're going to pay a price for losing their country over it. Right, and uh, it's uh, it's sad, but. Truth. Do you think I we're going to get to that point? Do you think we're going to get to that point, Brian? No, not in America. I don't. Uh, you know, I, I, but because we're not Europe, I and mean, there's a lot of other factors mm-hmm. that go in. Uh, like you take a country like Belgium, not to get to, but Belgium was hardly a country to begin with. I mean, it was a bunch of people. They spoke three different languages. They had no real identity. It was so it was just ripe for an invasion like that, take them over. Uh, you know, and the, and the Netherlands, kind of similar, but they are, they're, they're, they're going to draw the line. They're about to draw the line here in a minute. Uh, so I, I don't, I see it as a threat. It is a concern, but, you know, I just, and I'm not just trying to be optimistic, uh, you know, just for optimism's right. sake. I think it's definitely a different dynamic. Uh, here, but we have pockets in our country that have that same mentality as Europe, and they will thrive over there. You know, you know San Francisco, you know, some of the, the usual suspects. Are, there, it's going to be enclaves where you know we're going to have these uh, more issues. But as far as America whole, I don't, I don't think so. Good, good. Yeah, one of those conclaves that comes to mind is Dearborn, Michigan. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Brad, for your input. Um, Dearbornistan. Yeah, Dearbornistan, exactly. So uh, what do you think there, um, Boyd? Well, excuse me. I think it's like this. The radical Islamist wants to kill you. The moderate Muslim prays that the radical Muslim will kill you. 
So, you know, Islam is is not a religion. Islam is a form of, I guess, government and a way of life dressed up as a religion. That's why they are getting away with as much as they are right now, because the left and everybody thinks it's just a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. It's not yeah, a religion. Yeah, it's an ideology. It's an ideology, yeah. Yes. You know, just like communism, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they just approach things in a different way, using the cover of, uh, I guess, religion to go where they, you know, as far as they have right now. Because, right. you know, to be a true Muslim, you have to not only uh, follow the Quran, but you got to follow uh, Sharia law. And there's a there's a few other things, and I know Kelly the, uh, in the chat room is going to throw throw a lot of that other stuff up at me. But uh, yeah, it's it's a full ideology dressed as a religion. Good, good. Thanks, uh, Boyd, for your input on that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I happen to agree 110 percent on that, and I'll get to my points in just a minute. Um, Nas, what's your thoughts on uh, radical Islam in America? <laughs> Well, uh, I guess one of the gentlemen hit on it uh, before. Uh, America is a different situation than Europe. Uh, nowhere near the same. Uh, for one, we have a constitution that says Congress shall make no laws. Y'all know the rest. Uh, there's a case of uh, there's a Native Americans versus the state of Oregon, Orange versus Oregon, uh, to where they tried to say that they could take peyote because it was part of their religious ceremony and still have a government job. Government said, no, the hell you can't. You're fired. Uh, government shall, you know, respect no law of religion or no, no basis of religion. So Sharia law is not possible in America. The other part of it is terrorism only works when you terrorize. So we got to get out of this idea that we're going to give up certain freedoms in the guise of security. That's actually not. It's, it's not possible for any mm-hmm. government to provide security for you. So the new normal that fundamentalist Islam is out there that there will be events. There will be damaging events that people lose their lives, but you got to kind of steal yourself like the, the Brits did uh, during the blitz. Two shall pass. You, you can't take this on the chin, change your way of life, because at that point you allow the people who are actually weaker than you to defeat you ideologically. So I, I don't get scared of this stuff, man. And honestly, that religion, what it needs more than anything is a damn pope, somebody to be the <laughs> arbiter of what is Islamic and what is not. And the funny thing about them is when they come over here, like read some of those FBI files of, of people who came over as so-called fundamentalists. Before you know it, they were in the strip club, they were going to McDonald's, and they were living normal American lives. Americanization has a thing about it to where, like I'm in Atlanta. There's a lot of mm-hmm. uh, Muslims here, Somalian, uh, Egyptian, you know, just different places. What right. you find is that second generation they're looking at American parents the same way American parents are looking. Like, I don't know what to do with these kids. They're running around listening to this crazy music. They're smoking hookah and smoking this and smoking that. So all of these things that are so-called haram, these people do. So 
Islam doesn't scare me just because I understand what this is. And this is my historic enemy. Remember, they were there 600 years before European ever set foot on the continent of Africa. The invasions from the Muslims was the biggest problem. That genocide. When we talk about what Islam has done, the blood on its hands. All of North Africa, those people you see there that are now residents, they are the descendants of invaders. So, I mean, right. it is what it is. I, I have no particular love for that religion. But uh, we as Americans definitely have to keep perspective and understand that bad things will happen. And, and bad people will do as much as you allow them to. But you can't change who you are to try to think that you're going to uh, create some kind of false sense of security for it. Uh, you got to steal yourself, man. That's all I'll say to you. Now, I agree with you 110%. I mean, I could, you hit the nail on the head uh, on that. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, it seems like that uh, the more um, the more rights and privileges that we give up as Americans and for the sake of uh, security, it seems the, the less and less we are, we are secure. So, yeah, no, it's a very good point. All right, uh, Cornell, last but not least, my friend, on you. What do you think about radical Islam oh, in America? Time, I thought you were going to. I thought you were not going to let, let Democrats speak on this issue. but <laughs> Well, you went first, first last time, all, so you're going to last think, this time. Uh, first of all, I think that the problem is that we want to clump all Muslims as Islamic and terrorists. What we have is terrorists under a religion, using a religion to do what they want. When you talk to an average Muslim, they will tell you they don't agree with this terrorist thing. You know, just like if you talk to a Christian, they might not agree with the Ku Klux Klan or the what that church that prays to God but hates everybody and goes protest funerals and gays and stuff like that. So there's Muslims, there's good Muslims. I think we do need to be concerned, be on our guard, be prepared, fight against terrorists. Of course we do, but we can't clump a whole group of people together because some people want to use that religion or that philosophy or whatever to, for their fight to be terrorists. And that's what we do. Oh, all Muslims are bad. No, not all Muslims are bad. There's Muslims down the street that you're cool with. There's Muslims that are on a city council, on a government office in the United States. They're good citizens. There's people in the house. There's one in the house that's a good citizen. I mean, you might not agree with his, his side and philosophy, but he's still a good citizen. So... We tend to say, oh, the liberals accept them. No, they accept people. Christians accept people. Not, We're not judging them based on their religion. Or I shouldn't like Jehovah's Witnesses, or I shouldn't like Catholics because I'm a Christian. Or my AME, go to an AME church. Yes, we should be on guard. Yes, we should be prepared. There's terrorists. There's a lot of people that hate America for many different reasons. And there's Americans that hate America because they go on be part of this terrorist group. But mm-hmm. we can't just clump all Muslims and all people together and think they're bad or we shouldn't let them in. There's a lot of good Muslims. There's a lot, there are a lot of good citizens, and they're working. They're not all on welfare. They're not all taking advantage of, the, of America. And when you talk to them, most of them believe they're not following our religion. You know, they're not following what we believe in, and they don't agree with the terrorists either. And there's Muslims who die for America um, in, in our army, armed services, and stuff in the past. Um, so I just believe, yes, we should be on guard against terrorists. 
but we shouldn't clump everybody together who's Muslims or believe in Islamic or whatever they want to say as bad people or all as terrorists or all as radicals, which we tend to do and then blame the Democrats for liking them, and that's not true at all either. So what do you that's say? What do you say, say about what, what do you say about Sharia law then? I mean, it's gaining a foothold here in the United States, as you can see, it's all over Europe right now. So what do you have to say about that? You talk about the nice, the, the nice, the nice, uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna just say this in in, in the kindest way I can. Um, you say about the the nice Muslims, but in or nice, uh, uh, you know, we call them apostates. <laughs> um, but you you talk about these people, but in, but in the same token, um, they're kind of the same people that are trying to bring Sharia law into our form of governance, governance, and it's working. I don't know if it's working. You tell me where it's working at. Uh, I'll tell you two cities right off. The, I'll tell you. I'll tell you two major cities off the top of my head. Chicago and Seattle are passing laws right now as we speak to accommodate Sharia because they want to encourage Muslim population growth in both of those cities. Those are two cities that I was able to get research off of today. Uh, I didn't uh, like. Yeah, I said it's. They, uh, I mean, if they feel it works in that city and they feel it's not an issue, then I can't speak for them if they make that law. What I'm also saying is Christians, supposedly Christians. We're ones that are quickly first to judge others, but according to what we're supposed to believe in, we're not supposed to judge others or think just because somebody's different, they're wrong. And that's what tends to happen, especially these so-called, my faith guides me, but your faith doesn't tell you that you should hate these people or discriminate against these people because they're Muslim or whatever they want to be. You know, whatever religion they want to be, there's many, many forms of religion out there in the world. And sometimes people say they're Muslim, and they're not true Muslims, just like they're not true Christians. You know, there's all different types. There's, but we come to, because the terrorists want to fall under that law of the land or that religion, then we clump them all together. We should just protect ourselves as Americans and accept people for who they are and their diversity in America and fight against terrorists and not clump everybody together. That's Here, I'm going, to throw, I'm going to throw a figure out to you then, all right? Um, I had gotten this from um, the uh, Global Terrorism Watch Group, um, and they had stated, they had stated that um, almost 90% oh, – you got some background noise there, buddy. I'm going to put you on mute for a second here um, – they had stated that uh, 90% of those that do come over here as far as refugees and, and try to integrate into society, they don't actually integrate into our society and become part of our culture. They don't assimilate into America. So what do you have to say for those folks? I mean, that's 90%. That's a huge chunk of all, of all, the, um, of all, the, all the refugees coming um, over here from other countries, 90%. I mean, that's a lot. Plus, especially when we have about 100,000 to 200,000 refugees coming over here every year. So what do you say about that then, Cornell? What I, what I would say is, first of all, I bet you I can go on the Internet or go into some study that rebukes that. First of all, I don't believe everything I read and everything I see. Okay. That's what I so he, we know that's a possibility. I don't agree with that because I know people that came or might have been refugees or might have came from other countries or might be Muslim and came here 
And they definitely mm-hmm. assimilate. Now, do they keep to their religion or maybe keep to their group like other people do? Possibility. But 90%, I find that totally hard to believe and totally hard to be true. You know, I see them. I see people. They assimilate. So what about them councilmen in some of these cities that some of them are Muslim are running for office? You know, are they bad people? Did they not assimilate to America? What about the ones that fight for our country? Are they bad people not assimilating for our country? No, they're good people. They came to America for a good life. Now, did some come for negative reasons? Of course they did. And is there a lot of terrorists out there? Of course there is. We just have to defend and be prepared for that. There's people who come from Italy, France, China, Mexico that are bad people just in a different way, you know. But we have to try to be prepared for that and fight against that. Of course we do. But we can't just say, oh, because they're Muslims, they don't want to be part of us, and they're not us, and they're terrorists. And that's what people do. So the next time you you talk to your two friends or uh, your friends that you say that you have over there, um, do me a favor. Ask them if they think that Hamas um, or Hezbollah – uh, or I'm sorry, Hamas and um, oh crap, what's that other damn organization I'm thinking of? Jay, help me out here. Um, all right, just just to ask them if they think that Hamas is a is a terrorist organization and see what they say. I had my Probably, my yes. uh, my, my eldest my eldest had uh, gotten approached by when she was in high school. She got approached by uh, the Muslim Student Association. Um, the same student association that was um, that had a Muslim Brotherhood that had ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. So here we are, we have a student organization that says they don't claim any, any type of um, uh, association with any of those groups. But yet at the same time, um, they won't come right out and tell you that, yeah, we think that those are, those are bad people. However, we've seen it many a times on YouTube I've seen it myself. As a matter of fact, the the one down here, the mosque down here in Harrisburg, I went to visit. I talked to the the imam there, and I asked him. I said, "Let me ask you a question." He he he, he you know he did the good thing about you know he he did the uh, good the, the good speech about the, you know it's a religion of peace and and you know harmony and all that other uh, all that other stuff. So I let him go with this little spiel, and I, I let him talk about his rhetoric for a little bit. And uh, then I asked him the same question that I asked you to ask your friends. Do you think Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood Association are terrorist organizations and are bad people? He would not answer my question. Then I went to the guy beside him, asked him the same question. He would not answer my question. The next guy, the next guy, I probably probably asked about 10 or 15 people in that mosque itself. Of course you did. Why? What are you saying? I wanted to find out because I've heard I heard all this I heard all this that, that there's that there's good there's good moderate judgment. Muslims out there and and there's good and there's there's moderate uh, they they don't believe in this and they they believe in assimilating but yet when you go inside their places of worship they don't feel like assimilating it's just a mask it's just a facade. Okay, so they don't no Muslims assimilated in America. Is that what you're saying? No, I didn't say that. You put words <laughs> okay. in my mouth. You put words in my mouth sure like that. a typical Democrat. <laughs> typical no, liberal. Yeah, okay, typical. please. There's no, a lot of joking. Muslims here who assimilated in America who are, are fight for us, who work for us, who represent us, 
just like anybody else does. I would just take the thing and say, are those two Christians, that um, that church group, are they true Christians that spread hate and protest and um, call gays names and protest other people? Are they true Christians? Did they assimilate it to a Christian world or to America? No, they didn't. If That's what we're going to base things off of. What I'm saying is, are there bad Muslims? Of course there is. Are there terrorists using the Muslim religion or using whatever to be terrorists and under whoever? Of course there are. There's bad people in every religion, race, and everything like that. What I'm saying is, as Americans, we have to be accepting of the people we're here but have our guard for anybody, any people. The people who blow up buildings are not all um, terrorists. Well, they can be considered a terrorist, but they could be white, black, Chinese, or whatever, or Christians, Catholics, or whatever. Now, do we fight against terrorism? Of course we should. And do there some Muslims here who believe in that? Believe in that? Of course there are. There's some Americans that believe in them. Obviously, so some of these Americans are going cross-country to join them or going on their websites or going on whatever else, blogs and Facebook and whatever. So there is a... Right, right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, um, uh, Cornell, but we only have about eight minutes left in the show, and I have to close the show out here in just a second, but I got another caller on. I want to get him in here, but you do make some good points, sir, and I appreciate your feedback on that. Uh, you know, other than that, we're just running out of time, so I'm assuming 845 is Holger. 845? Yes, it's Kilroy up in New York. Oh, Kilroy, Kilroy. All Hello, right, Kilroy. Right, me, it's Mike. Hey, how you Mike. doing? How's, how's everybody? Give me about my, my two, three minutes, is, Mike. Okay. Their book, if you want to evaluate the religion, if this is what they're calling it, then take a good, hard, long look, study the book, objectively, not by sections, and look at their book. Look at the Koran. And to me, that Koran has never been rewritten. I've been saying it since 9-11. The same thing Naj did. They need the equivalent of a... a of a, of a Vatican to control it, to interpret it, and to control these people that consider themselves peace-loving and everything, because we see how peace-loving they are by their actions against their own kind in the Middle East. The Shia and the Sunni and everything, we see how they act. Now, they're going to bring that baggage with them, and they have, over here to this country and to Canada. Look at the bombing that they just had up in Quebec. Remember? I mean, yeah, they... Yeah. This is a violent, violent religion. I don't care what you want to call it. They say it's peace-loving and everything. Prove it to me. Show me Show me in your Quran where it doesn't say anything about infidels and what you should do to them and where you're allowed to marry a, a six- or an eight-year-old. And It doesn't fit in with our values. This doesn't – well, you want to assimilate? I'm sorry. Those values don't work well with us over here. So, I, so – so, Mike, I want to ask you a question real quick here. Cornell does make a good point, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll close the show out here. What about those uh, guys that are in our military and serving? They go over and fight against those other ones. What do we say about that? I'm just playing the yeah, devil's advocate I here. Mean, I know I knew one one uh, NCO. I've known several NCOs that were that were uh, used for as interpreters as well. And they told me they said, you know, the one thing that terrified them was that they, you know they're speaking the same way. They'd be speaking the same way we are right now. English because they'd been over here since they were very young and they'd really assimilated and, and became Americans. And they said, okay, the original religion had its place and everything had its place. But now over here, this doesn't have this, but this doesn't fit in. And he said, right. what terrified one guy told me what terrified me was God forbid if I was captured, 
Do you have any idea what they would do to me if they found out? Yep. yep. And and right. he said and yeah. Anyways, all right. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem, Mike. Uh, too bad I didn't get on here earlier. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got about five minutes left in the show. Um, we're going to close the show out with some final thoughts here. I'm just going to do final thoughts with Jay and myself tonight, uh, since we kind of pressed for time, and then I'm going to go in uh, to the ending. Uh, I want to thank Brad, Cornell, Nas, um, Mike, and uh, Boyd uh, for calling in. I want to thank uh, all uh, listeners tonight. Uh, don't 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 go nowhere. We're not we're not finished quite yet. We still got our final thoughts to do. And I want everybody to please visit AmericanPatriotRadio.com. That's where we're being streamed live from American Patriot AmericanPatriotRadio.com. Uh, they're definitely a, a great group of folks out there. I, I listen to uh, a particular show every morning at eight o'clock. It's called the pickle barrel and uh, doc Miola is a, is a part of that. And uh, thanks doc for, uh, for definitely streaming the show uh, to the uh, American Patriot radio uh, syndicate out there. I, I really appreciate that. So Jay, go ahead. I'll let you go with your final thoughts first and then I'll do my final thoughts and then we'll close the show out. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to thank, first of all, like you said, Doc Miola for being here tonight and American Patriot Radio for joining us. We are uh, honored and uh, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show tonight. I want to take a moment to uh, thank um, the chat room tonight. They're always awesome and amazing. Uh, so we're going to throw out thanks out there to Calvis La Prairie, to Fly Catch, to Golf Dogs, to Hold Your Awakens, to Iggy Mom, Reactionaries, RFB Radio with Kel the Alaskan and the elemental struggle. Now tonight we went through, uh, we went through a lot of topics and uh, we covered a lot of ground and um, a lot of good things were said tonight. And a lot of things were shared that uh, I believe that, you know, talking it out through the different sides is always the best way to come to unity, which is, is what we all, uh, the goal that we all have a lofty goal, but it's, uh, it's the goal that we, uh, that keeps us uh, united in the, the fact that we are all human and um, we all have to eat. We all have to sleep. Um, it's, a, it's, it's the best way to um, keep us uh, united. Anyway, um, usually I'm pretty long-winded with my uh, final thought, but tonight I'm just going to leave you with one small thought. Where there is unity, there is always victory. Thank you, guys, and it was a great show. <laughs> so hold your I'm not, I'm not going to respond to that I'm, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that <laughs> Hold your in the chat room playing around with me Alright uh, ladies and gentlemen um, My final thoughts um, I want to talk about Something that, that hits me Right here at home And that's the leadership Most of our politicians have forgotten What it means to lead a nation They spend too much time worrying about how to stab each other In the back rather than being bipartisan our local leaders focus more on their next campaign and not the cities they are supposed to fix and the constituents they are supposed to support. We as constituents are often forgotten or pushed to the side in order for our leaders, leaders to toe the party line. When will enough become enough? If there's, any, if there's something that I learned about being a leader, it's the following. In life, we must learn the first to first assemble the inner, then the outer. We must first acknowledge the important rather than the insignificant. We must recognize the great, great rather than the trivial. We must first lead ourselves, and then only then can we lead others. Again, I want to thank everybody for coming. Check Holder's show out tomorrow. It's, it's uh, 9 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
here on Blog Talk Awakens, and that's Holger Awakens. Go ahead, Holger, if you want to plug that show in the chat room for all our listeners out there. And again, if you haven't, please visit American Patriot Radio. A great bunch of people over there. We we will not be having a Saturday night show uh, this week as we're doing some uh, rescheduling. Uh, we're talking about a JNR talking about doing a little bit of uh, of uh, rescheduling here. So uh, stay tuned about that. And uh, good night and God bless America and God bless all of you. And again, thank you everybody for joining us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.